The four Sundays leading up to Christmas are what the church calls the season of Advent. Advent is a season of waiting and preparation. And today we are going to read a story about a man who was also waiting and preparing for the birth of the Messiah. His name was Simeon, and his story is found in the book of Luke just after the story of the birth of Christ. So if you would, please follow along as I read aloud, either in your bulletins or in your pew Bible or on the screens above me. And at the end of eight days, when Jesus was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. And for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled as what was said about at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O oh Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. Mary and Joseph were new parents with new responsibilities. And one of their first responsibilities was to take their newly born child up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now the wording, up to Jerusalem, was not simply descriptive. The temple was built on the peak of Mount Moriah. And to enter the temple, the temple, the faithful had to climb up the steep and broad southern steps, singing and praying psalms of ascent as they went up those steps. Now for thousands of years, the pagan Canaanites were forced 
to bring their firstborn sons to shrines of fire to sacrifice them to their hungry gods of rain and blood, to prove their obedience and to gain them favor. That's right, human sacrifice in all of those shrines. But ironically, it was on this very mountain that Joseph and Mary now climbed that God put an end to that for all of his people. After demanding that Abraham prove his loyalty by bringing his firstborn son Isaac, his only son Isaac, to be sacrificed, the Lord actually stayed Abraham's hand and provided a substitute sacrifice. Instead of Isaac's blood being spilled, the Lord provided a ram, a male sheep, to die in his place. God had provided the sacrifice so that Abraham's son would not have to die. And there were Mary and Joseph bringing their firstborn son up the steps to the temple mount, to the top of the same mountain, not to sacrifice their son on the altar, but to be blessed and to dedicate their son to the Lord. Yes, sacrifices were still made, a young turtle dove or a young pigeon, but no child's blood would be spilled on God's holy mountain. Now, there was an old man who had been living in Jerusalem a long time, whose name was Simeon. And the Bible describes him as righteous and devout. But it also declares that this man was special because the Holy Spirit was upon him. And the story says that he had been living there a long time because he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, what does that mean? Well, it was a dark time in the land of Israel. For 550 years, the people of God had been either exiled or at war or occupied by foreign powers. The Assyrians first, then the Babylonians, then the Greeks, and now the Romans swaggered around the Temple Mount, violating the holy heart of Israel. Extortionist taxes, arbitrary arrests, crucifixions, slavery, and rape were part of everyday life under Roman occupation. It had been 400 years since they'd heard from a prophet. But God had promised that he would send a Messiah, a Savior who would bring good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, open the prison to those who are bound, comfort all who mourn, a king who would change the very dynamics of human civilization and nature itself. The wolf would lie down with the lamb. And the nations of the earth would beat their swords into plowshares. And every man would sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree. And no one would make them afraid. And the whole earth would be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the age that the Messiah would bring. But it had been a long time since those promises had been made. Had God forgotten them? Had the Lord finally abandoned the people for their sin? Did he care anymore? Were the promises of God even real for them anymore? 
but it had been revealed to Simeon that finally, after centuries of waiting for Israel and decades of waiting for Simeon, that the Lord was going to send his Messiah. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon had been living and working in Jerusalem for decades, the whole time waiting for the Lord to fulfill this revelation that he would see the Messiah before he died. And then one day, it happened. The Holy Spirit grabbed this old man's heart and flooded his mind saying, today's the day. The Holy Spirit revealed to him, this is him. This is the Lord's Christ. Christ means anointed one. It means chosen one. It means Messiah. And when Joseph and Mary came up to the temple and Simeon saw them, when he saw Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus, Simeon took Jesus in his arms and he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. This child is the Messiah, the one who is going to bring light to the millions of people living in darkness and restore the glory of God's covenant people. And finally, after decades of waiting, give to Simeon the peace to die, knowing that God has kept his promises, that he has not forgotten his people, and that he still cares about the world. Simeon's story is a story about waiting for God. The prophet Jeremiah said, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So according to Jeremiah, we're supposed to wait for the Lord, like Simeon was waiting. Waiting it just sounds so docile, so passive, so inert. Wait. I didn't much like that word. So I started doing some digging. I started to do some research on that Hebrew word for wait. The Hebrew word, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it, is kwa. And while we translate it as kawa as wait, it has a richer meaning than that. Kawa means to hope for, to wait for, to look for. In other words, to look forward with confidence to that which is good and beneficial, often with a focus of anticipation of a future event. So kawa means more than just wait. And the root of the word is really interesting. The root of the word kawa means to twist or to stretch or to create tension. Think of 
a bowstring or a rubber band. Kawah is the tension, the loaded energy created by pulling something to the point where it will snap back. So in this sense, waiting is not at all docile or inert or passive. It's ready. It's alert. Like a a bow drawn back, pulled taut to its highest tension, straining to be released. Not anxious, but full of purpose. Completely loaded with energy, like an arrow ready to fly. Like a football player waiting for the snap of the ball. Or a batter waiting for the pitch. Like an astronaut sitting in a rocket waiting for the end of the countdown and the rocket to blast off. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him, like an arrow ready to seek its target. So this is the waiting that Jeremiah is talking about. Jeremiah is talking about not just waiting, but expectation. And so, yes, Simeon was waiting But again, he was waiting like an astronaut, preparing to be launched on a rocket. Now, what's the difference between docile and inert resignation or passive waiting and expectation? What makes the difference between one and the other? The difference, the X factor, is the presence of God. The difference maker is God. Jeremiah says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. Waiting for him, seeking him. Simeon was waiting with expectation because he knew that God is real. Because he knew that God cared about his people. Because he knew that God has the power to make a difference in our lives. And because he knew that God is the difference maker. And so waiting is the expectation that our great God is going to do great things. And so waiting is the expectation that our God is going to do something awesome. And Simeon was expecting God to do something awesome. And he did. Simeon says that this Messiah will bring light to the Gentiles and glory to Israel. By his birth, life, resurrection, and death, all the nations of the earth The people who have lived in a deep darkness of ignorance and superstition, who've lived in the hold of lies and idols of pagans and and, and false beliefs and superstitions, all of the lost and lonely and broken and rebellious, they will finally see God for who he really is. And they will know that he is real. And because of this child, the faithfulness of God's covenant and of God's people will finally be vindicated. And God will prove that their suffering and their waiting have not been in vain. And that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God who keeps his promises. This story is about expecting 
that our God is about to do something awesome. I really believe that this story about Simeon captures the spirit of Advent because Advent is a season of waiting. As I said earlier, Advent is a time to get ready for Christmas. But what if I told you that historically Advent was not about looking backwards, it's about looking forward. It's a celebration that points not specifically to one date on the calendar, not just about what God has done, but points to what God is going to do. Because historically, Advent is not a season to prepare for Christmas, the first coming of Christ, but to prepare for his second coming. Historically, Advent was a time to prepare for the return of Christ. The belief that Jesus Christ will come again is at the core of the Christian faith. Just as Simeon fully expected that God would fulfill his promise to send his Messiah, so we believe that Jesus will fulfill his promise to come again. He will give light to those in darkness. And he will vindicate the trust of his people. The hope of Israel became the hope of the church. If God kept his promise to Israel by sending the Messiah, if he kept his promise to raise Jesus from the dead, will he not keep his promise to come back? The fulfillment of the Messiah's first coming, that God kept his promise, becomes the basis for the faith that he will come again. The earliest Christians proclaimed that one day Jesus Christ would come again and set the world aright. They believed with all their hearts that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And those earliest brothers and sisters, those martyrs, those seekers, knelt on tired knees and lifted calloused hands to heaven. And they prayed, come, Lord Jesus. And that's what kept them going. The knowledge that the Messiah has come and that he will come again. That is the faith that drives and sustains people sharing the gospel in the hardest times and in the hardest places on earth. And so really during the season of Advent, we should not only say Merry Christmas, we should declare the final words of the book of Revelation, come Lord Jesus. Advent is not only about waiting for God to do something awesome in our world. It's also about believing that God is going to do something awesome in our lives. You know, last week, as we read the Christmas story, we saw the children's pageant. I asked you to focus on one verse in particular of the Christmas story. Luke 2.19 that when Mary heard the testimony of the shepherds and the message of the angels, that she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Do you remember that? Have you been pondering this week? I asked you, what are you pondering 
this week? And what are you pondering about this story? Well, this week, I want to raise another question. What are you waiting for? What consolation are you waiting for? Advent is a season of waiting for, of expecting and preparing for God to do something awesome in our lives. Do you believe that? And if so, what are you waiting for? What news? What test results? What event? What change in your situation? What answer or sign of clarity? What are you waiting for God to do? What are you waiting for God to say? What are you expecting God to do or to speak into your life? And what do you need God to do or speak into your life? Are you expecting anything from God? Or have you given up on him? Because maybe you think that he's given up on you. Are you waiting for, are you expecting God, are you expecting Jesus to make a difference in your life? Here's what I want to challenge you to do today. I want to challenge you to wait differently. I want to challenge you to wait like Simeon. I want you to wait with the expectation that God is going to do something awesome. I want you to live like God is going to do something awesome. I want you to pray like God is going to do something awesome. I want you to worship like God is going to do something awesome. I want you to give like God is going to do something awesome. And I want you to tell people about Jesus like God is going to do something awesome. Because God has done awesome things. And he is going to do awesome things. Wait, but wait like Simeon. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, give us the expectation of Simeon that our awesome God will do awesome things, not only in our world, but in our lives. And give us the peace of Simeon, the, pre, the peace of of your promise fulfilled and confirmed. Come into our hearts. Come into our lives. Come into our situations and circumstances and relationships. Come into our neighborhoods and our schools and our communities. Come into our world. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.